Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. But it's now my privilege to introduce our guest speaker for you today, uh, Anthony Porter. Anthony's been married to Nisi for 36 years. They have three adult children. Anthony's been in ministry for 27 years, serving churches in various forms. He serves here at Canvas on our usher team and in our outreach ministry. He's currently working as a project manager, daytime job, and his passion outside of the ministry and family, you might not know this, but it's basketball. <laughs> I highly respect Anthony as a great man of God. He's shown himself to be a man of integrity here in the church, a man who loves God passionately and a man of the word. Let's welcome Anthony now as he comes to preach the word. All right, thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, seems like I've been up quite a bit, and, and you guys are getting to know me with the, the Q&As that we had, and um, we did our, our outreach ministry where we prayed on the streets, and been, been really busy this last month. And I, I never really imagined that I would be uh, spending so much time in front of the church this month as I have. And, but I'm humbled by the acceptance that I've received uh, based on our, our Q&As that we had. I've had lots of conversations, both from the church and at my workplace. I gave them the link to the church. And um, pleased to tell you, uh, one of my uh, Jewish peers reached out to me um, and watched, watched the service. So we're doing some great things here at Canvas, and I, I really appreciate um, where we're going, and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. Um, previously in the Q&A, spoke about racism and answered questions uh, regarding things that I went through and other people that were on the panel, things that they went through. I'm not really up here to talk about that anymore. Um, I want to talk about what we as a church can do, what we as a church can do, what we as a church should be doing to help combat racism. It obviously starts with love, uh, as, as Pastor Ben has preached and shared with us, and, and how we all have our own context of, of how we uh, look at people and evaluate it. Obviously, it starts with love. That's, that's our greatest commandment, to love God and love one another. Another scripture that really resonated to me was 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? That's a convicting scripture. It really is. Um, I don't think, you know, we purposely hate on people. I'm not accusing anybody of hating on anyone. But it really makes us wonder how we, how we treat people, how we react to people. You know, do we really love God if we don't love everyone? Do we really? You know, it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. We need to examine ourselves uh, and, and see how much we really love the Lord by how, we, how much we love others. So today I'd like to dive a little deeper on some practical ways to exhibit that love for, for one another. But let me first open up in prayer. 
So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word and to just come before your people. Father, we see all the things that are going on in this nation right now, and we know that's not of you. That is of the evil one. But, Lord, I believe that as Christians, we can take a lead in this, Lord. So we ask you to empower us through your Holy Spirit to love others, to do kind acts for others, oh, Father God, to just appreciate others, Lord, because we're all created in your image. And, Father, I just ask you to have your way with us during this service today, Lord, that you would speak through me, through everyone here, through everyone watching online, oh, Father God, and that you would just touch our hearts so that we can begin to cause change in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our cities, in our church, in our world, oh, Father God. Lord, we know that we can do all things through you who strengthen us. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start out, actually, in the Old Testament, in the book of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was an Old Testament prophet, but he was also a priest. And there were only three priests and prophets combined in the Old Testament. You remember who the other two are? Jeremiah and Ezekiel. The entire nation of Israel took its cues from these prophets and these priests. They took their cues on how to, how to live. They took their, uh, uh, they explained the law to them, and the priests led them in worship and celebration. Uh, the priest's job and the prophet's job was to meditate before the Lord and to hear from the Lord and to tell the people. That was their job. And that's the job of the church today, right? We're here to hear from the Lord, meditate on the Lord, and go out and share with people. So I'm going to start in uh, Zechariah chapter 7 to set a little bit of the background. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1 to 7. It says, Now in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. On the fourth day of the ninth month, Chislev, when the people sent, you know, watch me on these names, Sherezer with Regum Melech and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month and fast as I've done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months during those 70 years, and that 70 years they were talking about are the seven, 70 years of Babylonian captivity from which the Jews had just returned. He said, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month during, during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, do you eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So this is, this is really a rebuke because Israel was, they were fasting, you know, they were, they were fasting and mourning in the fifth and seventh month and it became a tradition and, and the Lord is speaking through Zechariah, was it really for me, for me, or was it you just caught in the traditions? You know, and that's a question for the church of today, too. 
Why are we here? Is it, is it really for the Lord? Is it really to seek after him? You know, a lot of us as Christians, we've been, we've been doing this a long time. You know, we hear the word. We know the word. So are we doing the word and are we doing it for Christ? So if we look at um, Zechariah, and this wasn't the first time they heard this, too. It talks about the former prophets, right? But we look at Zechariah 7, 8 to 10. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. I think we have an opportunity, you know, as we hear about social injustice, we hear about injustice, we hear about racism, we have an opportunity as the church to show justice on a daily basis, right? We don't have to wait for the government to show justice or the legal system to show justice. We, as people of God, have an opportunity to show justice on a daily basis. The word says execute true justice. How do we do that? We show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. When I think about that compassion, having tender concern for one another, um, not only not doing somebody wrong, but doing somebody good, understanding where they come from. Uh, compassion is really being sympathetic, right? Sympathetic pity, um, concern for the sufferings or mis misfortunes of others. Um, I think about in, in my life, my family's life, um, my wife showed me how to show compassion because I really didn't know a lot about compassion. I really didn't understand how to get in somebody else's shoes and show compassion, how to experience what they're feeling. My wife's very good at it. She tells me all the time, this is what you should do. This is what that person feels. This is what that person feels. And she's right most of the time. So I just follow. I just follow. So I've learned that over the years to show compassion for people that are, are even not like us. So I, I thought about that for a while. And, I, and in our home, we have always had somebody there. We've always had somebody there. As my family knows, it's right here. So we've had uh, women who were in abusive relationships. We've had a widow with child. We've had people who had nowhere to live. We've had our children's friends who came from a not-so-good home stay with us. We've had relatives, both mine and hers, who needed help. We've had visiting pastors. We've had international students. We've had teenage friends of my kids as they were teenagers. And last of all, we've had young adults. And some of you know that, because um, I shared this with the church, when COVID first hit in March, and I was told by my company to stay home. My daughter lives with us, she stayed home. We had our niece that was in Miami Beach and she was on a working visa at a hotel. 
And she called us because the hotel was closing and she had nowhere to go. She's from the Philippines. She had nowhere to go. Didn't know anybody. So we're like, okay, of course, you can come stay with us. But I have three friends who also have nowhere to go. <laughs> and now you're thinking because when the COVID first hit, everybody's kind of afraid, right? And so Miami Beach, you probably heard people were going to spring break and, and we're not paying attention to COVID. And we're going to bring somebody from Miami Beach to, to our home, right? So we prayed about it. We talked about it. And we decided to do it. So now there's four of them. There's already three of us in our home, so now I've got seven, right? So they come, they take the plane, and I go pick them up, and they take a shower in the airport, and then we get in the car. My son went with me to pick them up. We get all their luggage. We bring them home. We make them come through the garage, and they take a shower before they come in the house. <laughs> it's crazy. But everything's okay, okay? <laughs> everything's okay. And we begin to learn, and we begin to know them, and begin to share with them. And they helped us around the house. And, and actually, those end up being two and a half months where we really got to know them, and we had a good time. But we took in, one was our niece, the other three were strangers. I'm just sharing that, not because, you know, I want credit for doing that. It's because my wife, again, had compassion. I followed. And we were blessed, and we were able to bless them. We had, we had Bible studies, and I'll get to that a little bit later. We had, had more, but we began to learn, and we began to, to grow and learn the struggles that they were dealing with as well. So we need to be able to show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. The Lord puts us in these situations where we have to make choices, and we need to follow where he's leading us. The second one from verse 10, do not oppress the widow or fatherless, alien or poor. Alien like stranger, you know, helping those who are not able to help themselves. One of the things that I, I look at when it's oppression is giving people what they deserve even if they don't have the power to take it. Think about that, oppression, giving people what they deserve even though they don't have the power to take it themselves. Okay, sometimes we oppress people and we don't even realize we're oppressing people because we're not enabling them. I have an example of this as well. In the workplace, probably about 20 years ago, I'd been, I'd been an engineer for like 15 years already. And I, I was pretty much done with that and I wanted to get into management. And I applied. There were there was a restructure uh, in, the, in the engineering. So they had 14 management positions open. Now, granted, I've already been there 15 years, okay? 14 positions open. I said, well, I'll apply for one. I was told no, because I didn't have domain experience, which means I didn't have the technical experience for that particular project. So I applied for a second one. No, I don't have domain experience. I applied for all 14, didn't get any of them. And I looked at the people who were hired. They didn't have experience in that technical area, but they were all white male, okay? So um, I didn't really do anything about it, but I, I was a little hurt. I was, I, was, I was bothered by it. Eventually, 
it worked out because I applied for another position a couple of years later. It was a lesser uh, engineering position uh, as management, but the person who gave it to me had compassion, actually had a South African heritage. Her family had grew up in their apartheid system, but she recognized what was going on and gave me that opportunity and gave me several opportunities after that as well. So I'm saying we have an opportunity to stop oppression by the things that we do, and we don't even always realize it. The third point, let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. Now, I had a harder time with this because it's hard for me to believe, although I know there are people, but we're talking to the church, right? It's hard to believe that we're planning evil for our brother. I really have a hard time with this. So I'm like, what kind, of, what kind of example can I think of here? When um, the COVID, there was stimulus package that were given to small businesses. The black businesses, a lot of them didn't get that money, okay? A lot of them did not get the money. They applied, and a disproportionate amount did not get the funding. So I'm just thinking the banks have a choice. They have a choice. They're small businesses. There's only a set amount of money. So how did they make these decisions that a disproportionate amount of black businesses did not get the funding? Did they plan evil? I don't know. Did they plan to not give the black businesses? I, I don't know. But what I do know is it's a form of oppression that happened where they weren't able to get that money. And did they, you know, like I said, did they plan evil? I guess God is the judge of that. Let's go back to Zechariah, consequences of not showing justice. In Zechariah 7, 11 to 14, it says, but they refused to heed. So they heard Zechariah. They knew Zechariah was a prophet, priest. God spoke to them, but they refused to heed. They shrugged their shoulders, and they stopped their ears so they could not hear. You know, I had a vision of that. <laughs> you know, they stopped, they, they stopped their ears so they could not hear. It says, yes, they made their hearts like flint refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed that they would not hear, so they called out, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them so that no one passed through or returned, for they made the pleasant land desolate. That's, that's what's happening right now, you know, as we see what's going on in this world, all the rioting, all the, all the problems. It's happening right now because we're not heeding the voice of the Lord. We're not heeding the voice of the Lord. And, and when, I come, when I come bring this to the church, I'm not talking about white against black or black against white. We all have opportunities to not oppress people, to love on people, to give them a chance. You know, we all have those opportunities. And when we don't do it, it's, like I said, it's the same. It's, it's oppression. 
So the fourth point I want to make is don't judge others. And I'm getting out of the Old Testament going to Matthew. It's a scripture that everybody has heard. It's Matthew 7, 1 to 5. It says, judge not that you not be judged. For with, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, God has called us not to judge. And, and I, I believe we all have, we all have judged. We all fall short, right? Um, I just think about that judgment from the church. You know, are we judging people based on how they look, based on what color they are, based on how they dress, based on how many tattoos they have. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of judgments that we do, and we put them in a, in a box. And that's part of the problem, because we're making these judgments, and we don't even know these people. Um, when it says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not even consider the plank or the big old log that's in our own eye? You know, and how can we say to our brother, look, Help me, let me remove the speck from your eye, but you don't, haven't even removed the plank from your own eye. So we can't even see. As long as we got that plank in our eye, we can't see. We're not able to clearly, um, you know, minister to someone or have a relationship with someone because we're blinded by the plank in our own eye. And I believe that this is a call for us to examine ourselves, examine ourselves, see what plank is in our own eye, get that removed, and then we can see clearly. It's a call for the church to examine ourselves, examine ourselves. Right now, during this time, we see all kinds of judgments, whether it's against the police, whether it's against Black Lives Matter, whether it's against Antifa, whether, whatever it's against, we make these judgments, whether it's our president or one side or the other, everybody's making judgments. Everybody's saying what they think. Nobody's in agreement. But are we examining ourselves? Are we looking for truth? Are we turning to God's word? And are we examining ourselves? That's the call. That's the call for us as Christians to examine ourselves first. Let's remove the plank from our eye. Then we can see clearly what, what's happening. So when I think about judgment, there's a couple points I wanted to make on that too. First of all, we're all created in the image of God. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So every person that we look at, every person that we come against, whether they're appealing to our eyes or they're not appealing to our eyes for one reason or another, they are created in the image of God. When we dislike or when we judge or when we oppress or when we hate someone created in the image of God, what does that say about our relationship with God? Because he's created in his image, right? Second point, 
We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Another word is masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're God's workmanship. Same thing. If we're looking at his masterpiece and we're judging them or we're being racist against them, we're not following the word of God. That's a masterpiece. I mean, think about that word. It's a masterpiece. Every person here is God's masterpiece. We have to look through those eyes. I, I believe that as Christians, we're called to go back into the word, go back and read these scriptures and be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. We got to be doers of the word, right? And the third one, why we shouldn't judge, is the Bible's command us to consider others better than ourselves. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So when we're looking at someone, are we looking at them as better than ourselves? I mean, to me, that's like the whole core of racism right there in one scripture, because we're not esteeming others better than ourselves. We're not looking at them as better than ourselves. We're looking at them as lower than ourselves. That, that sums it up right then. But God has called us to esteem others better than ourselves. So we have to uh, examine that. As I said before, we have to examine ourselves. Are we following God's word? Are we living according to the principles that God gave us in his word? So these things are hard. I mean, they're not easy. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or fatherless, alien or poor. Let none of us plan evil in our heart against our brother and do not judge others. We can't do it on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to share a letter that I received from one of the young adults that I told you about earlier that stayed with us. Um, they're, they're gone now. We helped them get, actually two of them are in Los Angeles, but we helped them, and they helped them actually find jobs. And um, they were very appreciative. So last Father's Day, this past Father's Day, I got a, a text. We're actually celebrating with our family. We got a text. I'm going to read this, and I hope I don't get, <laughs> I'm an emotional guy, as you guys probably know. I hope I don't get too emotional, but I want to read it. I want to share it. It said, hi, uncle. That's what they called us. We're uncle, uncle and auntie. Happy Father's Day. Though you were not my real father, but the days I've stayed in your house, I feel I had a father. You welcomed us with open hearts, and you treated us like your daughters. Thank you very much for all the help and the things that you have influenced us, especially me. Before, I kept on arguing with my mom because of her negativity, and now I keep on telling her that she can do it. She can fight with all the problems she's had. Now every time there's a challenge or problem that comes to our family or her, she is now positive. And she always now says everything happens for a reason. I am happy that she is now able to accept problems with positivity. Thank you, uncle, 
for bringing me near to the Holy Spirit, and that I will treasure forever. Happy Father's Day, Uncle. May God bless you more and your family. I am thankful to be part of your family even just for a few months. Again, happy Father's Day, Uncle. You see, if we don't invest in people, if we don't go the extra step, how are we going to share the love with Christ? I told you we had Bible studies in my home. They became part of that. They grew closer to the Lord. If we don't invest in people, how are we going to share Christ? If we just stick with our families and the people that are like us, how are we going to take the next step that changes the world? Here, I didn't even know. She's ministering to her mom. I'm ministering to her. She's ministering to her mom. And it's having an effect that we don't even realize. When we turn someone away or we don't take the extra time, that's what we, that's what happens. You know, we're not going to get there. We have an opportunity now to administer true justice on a, on a daily basis. But first, we've got to examine ourselves, and we've got to align ourselves with God's Word. We can't do anything of ourselves without the Holy Spirit. And I, I know that there's maybe some watching. You know, I'm talking primarily to the church because we're talking about what the church can do. But maybe there's some watching that have heard this message of love and compassion that hasn't felt it themselves, maybe doesn't have a relationship with Christ, but wants to. So just right here in your seats, I just want to give you that opportunity. Those who are online, I want to give you that opportunity as well to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can begin to walk in love and walk in compassion walk without judging with the help of the Holy Spirit we all fall short we all fall short but the Holy Spirit he's our comforter he's there to help us so I just want to give anyone that opportunity to receive Christ he says if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior he will forgive you your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins this is where justice starts it starts with God he's the one that's just there comes a day when everyone who will be judged according to their works. But Jesus died already to forgive us all the sins that we committed, already forgiven. He already paid the price. So if you want to receive him, let's just pray. Just pray right there in your seat and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you. Thank you for your righteous judgment in our lives, oh, Father God. Thank you for paying the price for us so that we could live eternally, Lord. Help us to, to be more like you, to love others, to have compassion on others, to not plan evil in our hearts, to not judge. Lord, we know we can't do it without you, but with you, all things are possible, Lord. So, Lord, we give our lives to you. Lord, we submit wholly and completely to you. And we thank you, Lord, what you're going to do in our lives as we move forward, walking in faith according to your word. We thank you. 
praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.